This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Very exciting new season of Harry Wilde dropping this week. Oh, Harry Wilde is great. So Harry Wilde is Harriet Wilde, played by Jane Seymour. And she just retired and she gets mugged. And so she's recovering in her son's home. And lucky for us, her son is a police detective. Isn't that convenient? She gleans a clue about one of his current cases. Mm -hmm. He is like, I got it, ma. Stay out of it, Ma. And she's like, nope. And so she sets out to solve it herself with a very unlikely sidekick. Very unlikely sidekick. And I'm not giving it away this time because I felt like I did in the Modern Blog Mysteries. So now I'm zipping my lips. <laughs> okay. You got to get in there and watch it yourself. So check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. everybody, it's Nick Layton. And it's Leah Bonima. And we had so many great questions from you all in the wilderness. Ow! That, we have a bonus episode. So, here we go. Our first question is, quote, Recently, my adult daughter and I enjoyed a stay at a lovely high-rise hotel. While there, we visited the pool, and I wondered, is it appropriate to wear the hotel robe as a cover-up while going to the pool? It feels a little awkward when walking down the hall or riding in an elevator, wearing a robe among fully-dressed guests, but what other option is there? This was not a resort-style hotel for which we would have packed poolside cover-ups. I say have at it. Have at it. Walk through the halls in the robe, no problem. I mean, I get why it feels uncomfortable. You're in your robe and people are in their business suits. Yeah. But I mean, the other option, what are you going to get fully dressed over your bathing suit? And then you get down there and then you have your bathing suit on, you get out of the water. You're going to put your clothes on over a wet bathing suit? Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from. But we knew there was a pool in this place. So we knew that there was a possibility we were going to be swimming and we brought swimming clothing. So we knew we were actually probably going to be swimming. So I feel like we could have also brought some sort of cover-up wrap, sarong, tunic, muumu, caftan type of thing, right? I feel like we could have tossed that in the bag. But they don't have it because it was not a quote resort style hotel. So they would have packed poolside cover-ups for a resort style hotel. But there's a pool and they know they want to use it because they did pack bathing suits. So I'm just saying like, then also pack your cover up with your bathing suit, even if it's not a quote, resort style hotel. Okay, so moving forward, they'll pack it. They didn't pack it. Okay. What should they do? Um, I feel like we would change on the pool deck because there was at least a bathroom near the pool, if not changing rooms. So I think I would have changed down there. Okay. No, am I being too conservative and fussy? No, I mean, I was, I always... I put on sweatpants and a t-shirt over my bathing suit. Okay. I'm not a robe with a bathing suit lady. But if somebody, if a lot of people are robes with bathing suits people and they have to get from the room to the pool and the pool to the room. Right. And it seems like an extra unneeded thing to bring clothes that are going to get wet. Yeah. So the people in the elevator next to us can live under the <laughs> false idea I mean, how is it hurting any? It's a robe. I'm going in the. Right. Yes. It's not just a towel around your waist. I think we can agree. Yeah. Towel around the waist. 
frowned upon. Little naked, little naked. I mean, I get what you're saying. And normally I, I feel like, but I kind of feel like let's live life. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could feel that. Yeah. Cause also it's kind of like, oh, who cares? Right. Like really who cares? And I'll tell you a, a full size robe is a lot more cover up than a lot of clothes. Oh, that's a good point. Yes. A lot of these wraps that I do see on the pool decks are a bit light. <laughs> well, I mean, even like shorts and a tank top. Shorts and a tank top, you're less covered than a robe. You're fully covered. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. That like full robe is like basically up to your chin, down to your ankles. You might as well be wearing a sleeping bag. Yeah, it's basically a Snuggie. Sure. Um, Okay, so in that respect, I mean, I guess the question is, why does it feel awkward? Let's maybe talk about that. Like, why is this awkward? Why do we actually have this question at all? What is awkward about me being in a robe in the elevator with people in business attire? Is it just that juxtaposition? Because it's not about showing a little skin. Because clearly that's not happening with the robe. Yeah, I and I do, I get that feeling that it does feel weird, but I think it's because we're we're trying to pretend that we're all- Fancy? That's why I think it really doesn't matter because what is it that we're pretending? That we're not going to the pool? We are going to the pool. Right. Everybody's in a hotel. They know that you're going to the pool. Yeah, okay. All right, coming around a little bit. Coming around on this a little bit. But yeah. I mean, I get it. And I would also feel weird. But if I think about it, I think- and if I saw, if I was fully, if I was in a three-piece suit and somebody got on the elevator with a robe, I'd be like, oh, going to the pool is so fun. Oh, for a second, I thought you were talking about a three-piece bathing suit. And I was like, what is yeah, that? Yeah, I wear a three-piece bathing suit. <laughs> I love a vest with my bathing suit and then usually a top hat. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm down. Um, yeah, I guess it's that fiction that we are not actually in a hotel that has a spa or a pool that we're trying to maintain somehow. And like, should we bother? Yeah, Okay. All right, I'm coming But around. I mean, I guess it does look like I was thinking about like a casino I worked at recently where it's like a little bit fancier and there was a spa and a pool area. And if I went down in my robe, I would definitely have felt odd. Underdressed. With everybody, yeah, with everybody else in their street clothes. But I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it. No, I mean, I guess we can agree though that you must have shoes on. Oh, you must. Right, we're not, we're not doing barefoot. You must have shoes on. Okay, so at least that's baseline. And I get why it may seem more appropriate to not have a robe on, but in my heart of hearts, live your dream. Yeah. Okay. I'm coming around. Leah Bonham is correct. Do what she says. Live your dream. Wear the robe. (laughs) I don't think I'm correct. I think it's probably more appropriate to have, but I mean, you're covered up. I know there's a pool there. You don't want to get your clothes wet. Such is life. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I think that's sort of, yeah, what it is. And I guess if somebody makes you feel self-conscious about it, then maybe that's their problem. Yeah, they're, they're living in a fantasy world. You're in a hotel. You got to go to the, you know? Yeah. Although, I mean, I, I do enjoy fantasy sometimes, though. And and the, the fiction of the world around me. Sometimes no, you're I want right, that. you're right. And sometimes if I'm in a hotel, I kind of want this fiction that like, oh, we're all just sort of being fancy during our hotel stay. I think what happened is that I moved to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And before I was in Los Angeles, I was like, people should have clothes on. And then here... I'd say 50% of the people outside have no shirt on. Okay. I mean, just walking down the street. I'm not talking about at the park, at the beach. So before I was always like, let's cover up. We're in, you know, public. But now I'm like, (laughs) I mean, live your truth. And actually, if we're talking about like fantasy and luxury, actually having time in the day to go swimming is actually the more luxurious option, right? 
There's actually something more luxurious about going to the spa during your time on vacation. So on some level, it's actually, that's the correct choice. And that if you're wearing a suit, you're making everybody else uncomfortable and you're ruining the fantasy for all of us on vacation. That's so true. Right? Oh, maybe we can twist it around. Yeah, I like that flip. I like that flip. Everyone else is the problem. You are correct. Mm, Mm. I love that. (laughs) So I feel like a lot of people are going to disagree with this, but... Well, I think a lot of people are going to have feelings about this and are going to come to a conclusion however they want. I think we have talked through our thinking, whether or not we're correct or not, who could say? But uh, at least you know where we're coming from. And that's all I can hope for. Yes. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. So Leah, I am looking for a series about an amateur detective. I don't want professionals. What do you got? I'm glad you asked, Nick. (laughs) Because as we know at home, I'm obsessed with mysteries. We have the professional detectives, then we have the amateurs that obviously have a gift and they maneuver their way in there. And Acorn TV has a lot of choices for you. You could go with Madame Blanc. Right? Because she's an antique dealer and uses that knowledge (laughs) to solve crimes. I mean, it's great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We also have Agatha Raisin, which I have discussed multiple times. She was a PR person, very confident Mm -hmm. woman, wears the wrong shoes to every occasion, which I love. And we also have Harry Wilde. Yes, Jane Seymour. And I enjoy all of those shows very much. So you out there, sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Brooklinen. Brooklinen is the internet's favorite sheets. That's right. And they're great. They sent us some sheets and I'm sleeping on their percal, white, of course. And they're crisp. They're cool. They don't sleep too hot, which is definitely the thing I do not want in sheets. So they're the perfect temperature for me. And I feel like coming into a new season, it's the perfect time for a refresh, right? You get new colors, you get new patterns, you recreate your whole sleeping space. Or you can switch the fabrics. So Brooklyn actually has fresh linen and it's designed in Brooklyn, made in Portugal, and their wash linen is made with 100% European flax. So you can get the lightweight essentials necessary to upgrade your space for the summer from Brooklinen. So visit in-store or online at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And use code WOLVES for $20 off your order of $100 or more. So our next question is, quote, I was recently invited to a wedding of a longtime friend, but my partner of five years was explicitly not. I received a text message ahead of my formal invitation stating that they were inviting family friends and extended family first. But if those guests decline, then they'll extend an invitation to my partner at a later date. I'm feeling a bit hurt by this, especially because none of our other friends' partners were preemptively not invited. Because of this and some other logistical challenges, I will not be attending the wedding. However, is it appropriate to say why I am politely declining their invitation? There isn't really a space to do so on the RSVP form, but I do feel a bit rude declining without explaining why. I think the bigger question is when we decline an invitation, do we ever explain why on the invitation? I think the bigger question is, what is happening here? What is happening here? What is this A list, B list, C list, and I'm aware of what list I'm on? I don't like that at all. I can see though... I mean, why? Yeah, I mean, some things are not defendable. (laughs) Sometimes, though, people have a certain amount of space and... No problem. I totally get that you need to get to your A-list first before you go to your B-list. 
I don't want to know as a guest which list I'm on if I'm not on the A list. I want that fiction that like, oh, I'm just an invited guest. I'm not an invited guest because all these other people said no first. Like, I don't want to know that. So you would rather they didn't invite the friend at all until they knew if they could and also invite the partner. Couples are a unit. So it is rude to not invite this person's partner of five years. Like that's a unit. Like they should get invited together. And it's also curious that everybody else in this friend circle had their partners invited and it was just this letter writer's partner who was not invited. So like that's another layer that I'm like, oh, I don't like this at all. No, it definitely seems like something else is happening. Something else is happening. Yeah, for sure. That's why I was like, let's just answer the whether or not we can do RSVPs on the thing because <laughs> there's clearly a whole other situation Yeah, that I feel like there's some details missing. Yes, I think there's some backstory about what has happened with these people in their lives that have led us to this moment. Or are the other couples, they grew up together, they know them and they don't know your partner at all. Is there some kind of logical explanation or is this is this is there like a history story that we're missing out on? Um, um, there is definitely an explanation whether or not it's satisfying, good, or acceptable. Who can say? But, oh, I'm sure if we talk to the bride and groom here, they would definitely have an explanation for why they thought this was cool. Yeah. It's like, oh, we just can't get to everybody's partner for the first round, but we'll be so glad to have them if we have space. And they thought that was cool and polite. It is not. But I think that they thought it was. And that's why they gave the letter writer heads up via text, like, oh, just so you know. I think they thought they were doing a good thing here. Oh, I think they thought so too. Yes, it was not for the record. But happy to answer the question that you would like to focus on, which is, should you give an explanation for why you can't attend? No. That just seems, that part seems so much more clear cut. No good would come of that. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Like, what are you supposed to say? Like, no, no, definitely not. Yeah, I feel like I've never written in on an RSVP why I couldn't. No, just decline, say, unfortunately, I cannot attend. And I wish you all the best on your special day. Like that's all that needs to be said. Because also I have a feeling that you have mentioned your concerns to some of the mutual friends involved and the bride and groom are totally going to hear about this. Like they're going to know. This will get back to them. Oh, they know. Yeah, they know. They absolutely know. And because also what do you want? What do you want from these people? Do you want an apology? Do you want an invitation for your partner? Like what do you actually want out of this? And at this point, it's like, you don't want anything. You don't want to go. And I would just leave it at that. Yeah. And the bright side is that if you're not attending, you don't have to send a gift. It's just so weird. Which part? <laughs> the, um, <laughs> it's not like the, our letter writer just started dating this person. No, five years. Five years is like a solid. Yeah. Because I really do actually understand if you're, if you just started dating somebody and they can't, they want you to come, but they don't have enough space because it's like a, for a plus one when you're not a couple. I get that. I do get that. Because like you said, I do think that the bride and groom were like, oh, this makes sense. We're just being transparent about how we're doing this. Yes. I think they did think that transparency was the polite thing here. Yes. And it was not. <laughs> but I can see how they thought it was. And it comes from that same impulse where people do rude things and are just like, well, I'm just being honest. And it's kind of like, yeah, but like there is still tact involved. Like honesty doesn't mean pure, unfiltered tactless honesty. Like sometimes we still need tact. And so the tact here would have been to not have actually been this transparent about where you rank on the invitation list. I also on some level would have understood if we invited all the friends that are in this circle and none of their partners. Like, oh, we're just doing, you know, the OG group 
the sisterhood of the traveling pants. Uh, we're not doing any extraneous people right now. But if we do have room, then we will invite all of your plus ones, all of your partners. I could see that being okay. I would totally think that was okay. That would have been fine. The issue here, though, is that you are being singled out in a specific way for reasons that are not known to us. And those reasons feel not great. And so that is, I think, why you're annoyed and why we're annoyed. And that is why I think declining with that explanation totally fine. I'm glad you broke it out that way because that's how I was feeling that it seemed like this would be okay if it was done in a different way. Like if it was across the board for everybody. Yes. I guess at the end of the day, that's the problem here that you are being singled yes. out and that's gross. I love how a lot of our responses to some of these really uncomfortable situations were like, that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> we have no other word. We're like, yeah. gross. It's just gross. Yeah. People are gross. So <laughs> our next question is quote. I meet a lot of people who are super informed about topics I don't necessarily know a lot about, like engineering or advanced math. When I'm in conversations with these people, the majority of things that they're saying fly way above my head and I don't really contribute much to the conversation, apart from asking some questions. What's the most polite way of changing the subject or saying I don't know that much or have that much to contribute? This seemed to me like a Nick question. Yeah, I mean, I get this being in conversation with people who have very specific knowledge or very advanced knowledge, I look at it as an opportunity to learn something. I don't know much about advanced math. And so I would just ask. And I would actually ask them to explain it to me in layman's terms. Explain it to me as somebody who has no idea what you're talking about and help me understand what we're talking about. So I think that could be part of the conversation. Like you can just actually ask questions to get them to teach you in a way you can understand. Um, like tell me about string theory in a way that like I'll get. I'd be delighted to have that conversation with an astrophysicist. But I think the question here is, you're bored with these people and their topics. And if that's the case, then sure, lots of ways to change the subject. Up top, I agree with you completely. I, I have no problem saying to people, oh, I don't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. Would love to know about, you know, Schrodinger's cat, whatever you're talking about. Sure. But I, I agree. It seems that our letter writer actually wants to change the conversation. Yes. And for that, that's actually very easy. It's all about pivoting. And I feel like we talked about this in a recent episode. So all you got to do is Sandra Bullock. Just Sandra Bullock it. <laughs> Just goes to something adjacent. That reminds me of the Sandra Bullock movie. So yeah, <laughs> Gravity, Bird Box, The Blind Side, Crash. Of course, Miss Congeniality, The Proposal. Yeah, just something reminds you about something else in this conversation. Oh, String Theory, that reminds me of this other thing I saw on PBS that I thought was interesting. Or that reminds me near the planetarium downtown is this new Thai restaurant that I just went to. Like you can pivot and, and make it very non-adjacent. But as long as you just make that a nice smooth transition that feels like somewhat natural, then you're good. You're off to the races on a new topic. Yeah. I, I still think maybe we should come up with, uh, you know, we had the back pocket phrases. Yeah. Now we have pivot Pivot topics. Pivot topics. Okay. You like talking about engineering. What movie does this relate to that we can then bounce to something else entirely? <laughs> and I think when we're thinking about pivoting in general, the things that everybody has an opinion on are food, where they're from. I would actually think that a lot of people have opinions on entertainment. Yes. Some media that they are consuming in some way. So movies, music, books, podcasts, yeah. books. Rare is the person that is doing nothing with some sort of media. If they are, then like, that's fascinating. Tell me about your life in which you consume zero media and what else you're doing. So that's a good pivot too. But I think food, hometowns, 
media, these are pretty universal. I recently got into a conversation with people I didn't know very well. We were all coming from different things. We ended up having like a 15 minute convo about water mammals. Well, we know that's your jam. I mean, you can't get enough of dolphins. <laughs> it, it, it hit all of us in a, it hit all of us in a, for a different reasons. Okay. And then boom, as Nick says, off to the races. Yeah. It doesn't take much if everybody is participating. Now you are going to have conversations with people who basically take the conversation ball, which should be bouncing back and forth between you. And then they just take it and they slam it into the ground. <laughs> and the, the conversation ball really should go back and forth across the net. I mean, that's the ideal situation. You do have people who just take it and slam it into the ground. And then you just like have to pick it up again. And like, what do you do with these people? That's when you go refresh your drink. But ideally- Everybody kind of participates and, and makes an effort. I mean, or the or it's like you're in a conversation with like these three people who are all in the same sort of like advanced math group. Right. And you come into the conversation and they're there to talk about math. Yeah. So then you just need to politely listen, participate where you can, and then pivot if you can, or just go with it, I guess. Hopefully you'll learn something. I was on the math team. Okay, which which grade was that? Middle school. And are these like competitions? Like you compete against other schools? Yeah, I was on the math team and I was on this this team called OM, which was Odyssey of the Mind. So they're like competitions, yeah. Okay, look at you. You're more than just a hat rack. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> I mean that in the nicest possible way, of course. No, I know. That's the best phrase I've ever heard. I, I've never heard it. I'm delighted by it. And I'm hoping to work it into something somewhere in my own life. Oh, it's uh, it's easy to slip in. Yeah, don't you worry. <laughs> so our next question is, quote, I have longstanding plans to visit a friend at her weekend house. Let's call her Lisa. Lisa just asked via email if I wouldn't mind if her childhood friend visits at the same time. I'd really rather just see Lisa, as I've met her friend and we have little in common. But it's also not my weekend house. In your eyes, do I have any option to politely voice my preference? Did you write back to this person? Yes, I did, because this felt a little time sensitive. It did feel time sensitive. So I gave my thoughts. And I'd be curious if they were the same as your thoughts. That's why That's why I was wondering. I was like, I feel like you've already given your thoughts. I have. I feel like this is one of those ones where I absolutely understand feeling like you had this longstanding plans. You were looking to catch up with your friend. And then at the same time, it's not your house. Right. So what I said to this person was, are you actually being asked or are you just being given a heads up? Yeah. Like, what is your relationship with this person? And which is it? Because if you were actually being asked... If it's actually a sincere question, then okay, perhaps there's a good response that we could come up with. I have a feeling, though, that you are just being given a heads up, which is more polite than just showing up and now this other person is in the living room and you had no idea. So at least you had some courtesy. I think it's that, though. It probably is that. If if they are actually asking, mm -hmm. I feel like this sentence is, I was really looking forward to spending time with you. Yes, I think it's also a no problem. I was hoping to have one-on-one -on -one time with you. I hope we can still carve out some time in the weekend for that. That's nice. So that That's nice. it's sort of said, but in a very nice way. If you really can't stand this friend though, and I don't know if that's the case. I think we just don't have anything in common with her. But if you really don't like her, you could say like, hey, Lisa's great, but maybe better we reschedule and then reschedule. Like if you just can't take it. But I think you just have to say like, no problem. And hopefully we can still have some one-on-one -on -one time and that's it. Yeah. 
I like all of those. I like if you definitely like cannot be in the same area with this person, which is not my not what I'm taking away. But if that is what it is, I think what Nick said is perfect. Yeah, totally understand. Maybe we should reschedule. And then but I do like this other one with the great looking forward to it. Hopefully we can still grab some one on one time. Maybe it'll be fine. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I've sometimes been like, oh, I'm not sure how I am around this person. I don't know. And then it ended up being delightful. Yeah. Or if it's horrible, then your friend will know that and it will never happen again because your friend will know, oh, I just can't have these two people in my house at the same time. So Mm. either way, I think it's a win. Win Win-win. So our next thing is, quote, I'm from and currently live in rural Texas. I was taught to give a one finger wave to anyone I passed in the car, not on big roads, but smaller, slower ones. I've heard about more complicated rules about how many fingers, but one finger off the steering wheel is the basic gesture here. And if you don't return the wave, it's considered rude. I know from experience that people don't do this in the city, but do they do it in rural areas throughout the country or is it just here? I've always been curious about how far this extends. Thrilled by this. So this is a great survey for our audience. Yes. Is this national? Is this international? What counts as rural? And more about the gestures, one finger, two fingers. How does this work? That's what I'm really curious about because I mean, I definitely, I mean, I let's be honest, I wave at people here, but when I'm home, <laughs> I wave at people I pass, but I don't do one finger. I I put up my, it's almost like a flick of the wrist. Oh, it's a flick of the wrist. Okay. It's not, it's not, it's not a wave like a window washer. I realize they can't see me at home. It's not a left to right. It's a. And it's not a Queen Elizabeth rotating wrist thing. It's not a Queen Elizabeth. It's not a rotation. Okay. Although I would love that. Just saying, if we could have that take (laughs) off, that would be great. But the hand is coming off the steering wheel for you. Hand's coming off the steering wheel. And you're showing the whole palm. Okay. Yeah. And... I do it to people passing, but then also if like someone's walking on the sidewalk or if I'm walking on the sidewalk and someone passes, I'll do it. And you're in your car while this is happening? If I'm walking on the sidewalk and a car goes by, I'll give them a, oh. Oh, as a pedestrian, you're going to wave at a car. I will. Yeah. And if it's a pedestrian goes, I'll wave. Is that a thing I'm supposed to be doing in small towns? I do it. Why not? I might see them again. What if they own the fudge factory? (laughs) Saw you on the street. Um. Okay. I mean, I, I don't typically as a pedestrian wave at cars in small towns, although maybe the towns I'm going to aren't small enough. <laughs> um, I'm the only person walking and a car goes by. I don't not see you. Yeah. Okay. I mean, all right, audience, I need some guidance here. So what should I do if I'm visiting your town and how big is it? And what type of wave are we doing? And is everybody waving at everybody? So pedestrians to cars, cars to cars, pedestrians to pedestrians. What what are the rules for greetings where you are? I would love to know. I'm going to add a caveat to mine. Uh I'm only doing this with people I make eye contact with. If people are like speeding by and I'm looking down, but if I look up and there's a car coming and we've made eye contact. Then you're in. I'm going to throw up a hand. Hey. All right. You're going to acknowledge their existence, which is nice. That is nice. Yeah. I want to know more about this one finger wave. The one finger wave is actually what I'm familiar with. So if I was driving in a rural town in California and I was passing a car on a dirt road, I would do the hands are still on the steering wheel, but like index finger goes up and be like, I see you. That's what that would be. A full hand off the steering wheel wave. That feels like too much. That's that's a little much for me. Yeah, but the one finger, I I feel like I could miss that. Uh, well, you got to be attuned. Uh, also, you can't be driving that fast on these roads. You got a lot of time to pass. Well, that's why you can pull your hand up. Uh, 
I'm not against the finger. I'm just saying, you know, once I go in, I'm going to, you're like, they're lucky I'm not getting a two hand. You're always a little extra, Leobonima. <laughs> so audience, I would love your thoughts on this. Please let us know Please. what are the rules where you are, um, how it should go down. And if I visit your town, how I should not embarrass myself. That's really at the end of the day what I'm interested in. How could I not embarrass myself if I were to visit? So let us know. May I add something? I feel like I've also done a nod. A nod. Now that's even more subtle than the finger. One of my fingers is not going without the other fingers. That's just not going to happen. But I, it's a team sport. Okay. Yeah, they play together. Okay. So I can see if the, like someone drives by, they do a nod. I'll do a nod and a smile. Hey. Okay. It's just recognizing. Yeah. You want to just recognize that you acknowledge somebody else's existence at the end of the day. Yes. Okay. I mean, that is, at the end of the day, very nice. I am going to practice my one finger. So when I'm in... I don't know if it requires practice. I'm telling you, it's really hard for me not to bring... I already had to hold myself back from putting both hands up, you know, and doing a full fossey. <laughs> <laughs> so you have your homework and do you have questions for us? Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. So please send them to us too. And you can send everything to us through our website, where you raised by wolves.com, or you can leave us a voicemail or send us a text message, 267-CALL-RBW. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Very exciting new season of Harry Wilde dropping this week. Oh, Harry Wilde is great. So Harry Wilde is Harriet Wilde, played by Jane Seymour. And she just retired and she gets mugged. And so she's recovering in her son's home. And lucky for us, her son is a police detective. Isn't that convenient? She gleans a clue about one of his current cases. Mm -hmm. He is like, I got it, ma. Stay out of it, Ma. And she's like, nope. And so she sets out to solve it herself with a very unlikely sidekick. Very unlikely sidekick. And I'm not giving it away this time because I felt like I did in the Modern Blog Mysteries. So now I'm zipping my lips. Okay. You got to get in there and watch it yourself. So check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. So Leah, I am looking for a series about an amateur detective. I don't want professionals. What do you got? I'm glad you asked, Nick. Because <laughs> as we know at home, I'm obsessed with mysteries. We have the professional detectives. Then we have the amateurs that obviously have a gift and they maneuver their way in there. And Acorn TV has a lot of choices for you. You could go with Madame Blanc. Right. Because she's an antique dealer and uses that knowledge <laughs> to solve crimes. I mean, it's great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Agatha Raisin, which I have discussed multiple times. She was a PR person. Very confident mm -hmm. woman. Wears the wrong shoes to every occasion, which I love. And we also have Harry Wilde. Yes, Jane Seymour. And I enjoy all of those shows very much. So you out there, sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.